you don't know it by now, I can be a bit controversial on how I handle my business and in how I coach other designers about their business. Running a design firm or any small business for that matter is not a one-size-fits-all wrapped up in a pretty bow. It's about building the framework from the ground up and having a solid foundation that will make it recession-proof. The Design Paradigm is a comprehensive and powerful coaching program for interior designers wanting a challenge and looking to grow. It has epic twists and turns in the way you might think about business. If you are a little rebellious in thought, want to win it, avoid groupthink, don't care what others are doing, and want a sustainable business over the long haul that makes you stand out, then the design paradigm is the right place for you. We will be a partner in reimagining and refocusing your business from the ground up. Find out more at theinteriordesignparadigm.com. Let it be known as consumers want to do business with those who love what they do. They really do. And there is nothing, absolutely nothing better than showing that passion and that excitement for what you do every day to a potential client. You are going to win every single time. Welcome to the Damn Good Designer Podcast. Join host Cheryl and Liz, the visionary and integrator balancing all the moving parts of a full-service interior design firm. Get ready for a wild ride as they challenge the norms, challenge the industry, and challenge you with damn good truths about what success looks like today. Now your hosts. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Damn Good Designer Podcast. This is our first episode and yeah we're a little nervous but we are hoping that you are going to really enjoy the show and um, join us for future ones today we are going to talk about one of the most asked questions that we get how does our initial consultations work okay so now some people treat these as design meetings and that's fine but we do not we are diagnosing the patient to determine the scope of work and yes the question is going to be, do we charge? Absolutely, we charge. Our fees range anywhere from 550 to 650, depending on how far we go. Like if we're, you know, going to, you know, a place that's an hour and a half away or something like that, we're going to charge a little bit more, right? But let me tell you, the most important factor in having a successful initial consultation is the discovery call. The discovery call you have before we ever even get out to the initial consultation. And Liz handles that for us. And I'm going to introduce you now to Liz. Liz is my right hand. She is, we call her Liz-O-Matic. We call her the Lizonator sometimes too. And uh, she is really the, the, I don't know, the, 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 the soul and lifeblood of our firm. She really is, she keeps us all together and coherent and keeps me out of trouble, really, actually, is what she really does every day. So I'm going to let her start and talk just a little bit about the discovery call. So Liz, what's the most important takeaway you want to get from the discovery call when you're talking to a client? So our biggest goals when we're first speaking with a new prospect is to really nail down good quality intel. This is about being a really active listener, asking good questions that let the client speak about what they're looking for and what it is that they anticipate they need. And then being able to really talk in a little more depth, to throw numbers around, to talk about budget and establish some of their expectations on what they plan to invest. Okay, wait a sec. So you talk about you're throwing numbers around. So are you talking about throwing numbers around about our fees or numbers around about what it's going to cost to furnish a place or to do a remodel or what kind of numbers are you actually throwing around? 
So it depends on the circumstance. With some clients, they may have an anticipated budget that they're planning to spend, and that can help dictate how the conversation goes a bit. But a lot of times people will get in touch and they don't know what they're going to spend, or they have no idea really what something should cost. So they're looking for a gauge to figure out if they're even in a realm that is going to be realistic. Um, so very often what we do is we try to establish kind of some minimums in our mind of what it is that would be a good starting point for certain types of spaces. Um, what might be minimum investments because we do include a minimum expenditure in both in most of our contracts with clients so that when we're talking to clients, we can both establish where some round numbers might be in relationship to those, but also to establish that with a lot of our contracts, when there's more than one space involved, we do have an economy of scale to how we structure our fees. Yes, an economy of scale is a very important thing, but we're gonna have to save that for another podcast. Mm -hmm. But really, this is all about being able to gather as much good, solid information for me to be able to walk away from that call and know that I'm setting Cheryl up for a good situation to go out for a consult meeting. That really is my goal at the end of the day, to be able to answer those questions and have a good feel for what the client is looking for. Yeah, and y'all, the thing about this too is that we are, uh, when we go out there, Liz is going to give us an agenda because a lot of times uh, she's not there. I mean, sometimes she is and sometimes she's not. It might be me and somebody else from our firm. So she's going to give us a really good um, recap of what we're expecting. Because remember, I'm not actually talking to this person until I meet them in real life. Right. And there are certain things that may um, sort of hinder me from thinking that there might be a good opportunity for us to go out and look at a job also. So it is a bit about qualifying that person to determine, is this really a project that we're going to be able to sink our teeth into? How might we be able to reposition what we do to accommodate them if that's something that seems like it could be feasible? It really is about making sure that we have that good concrete information to be able to make some educated deductions from. What do you think, Liz, really makes... What, what gets you excited about an initial call? Like, you know, today you came out to me right before we started this podcast and you said, ah, I think we got a really good one on the line, Cheryl. I think we got a good one. You know, what is it about that call? And y'all are hearing it for the first time, just like I am. <laughs> but what is it about that call that really um, made you think that it was a really good lead? Because obviously we just got the lead from somebody else in the, in the shop. It, we get leads every day. Um, and Liz hasn't actually really talked to him. So what is it about that that made you think that that was going to be a good one? Being able to look at the sort of size of the scope and whether or not it's in our wheelhouse is usually a first indicator to us when we're first reading through the sort of initial intake notes. Um, we might only have a few little details to go from, but this in particular one had what sounded like the potential to have a more comprehensive um, plan review scope that would need materials and furnishings involved. So it felt like it certainly had a more robust nature to it, but also they spoke a lot about wanting to integrate how the house feels architecturally, how it flows and how the overall oh, yeah. design would come together, which for us is like a big ding, ding, ding. We love that. Yeah, we definitely, we definitely love that. And, and, uh, you know, we do a lot of historic remodels, so that's really important. So, okay. I'm going to tell you now, um, like some of the things that we absolutely don't do on initial consultations, because here's the thing, everybody does this a little bit differently. Some people, some designers are going out to an initial consultation and they are actually doing design work. And that's not how we do it. Our initial consultations are discovery calls. They are diagnosing, uh, not discovery calls, but discovery meetings, I guess, 
we're trying to figure out what the scope is, okay? We are really trying to determine um, if it's a good fit between both of them, uh, between the client, between us, et cetera. And, but there's some things that we absolutely don't do. So here they are. We do not bring any leave behinds, uh, but our business cards. You know, I don't feel like you need a folder with peripherals in it and all that. It's okay if you have that and you wanna do that. It's not a problem. To me, it's just killing a few more trees with everything being online. And I don't really feel like we need to do that. So we don't bring any of that sort of thing out. Um, we don't go over our portfolio when we're there, okay? We're really busy, and so are the people uh, that we generally talk to. Usually it's going to be very busy professionals, so they can do that on their own. And really, this is the key point here. The meeting is about them, it's not about us. So I'm not going there to do a dog and pony show for them necessarily, okay? We also do not bring fabrics, paint, or any type of sample pieces. That's not how we operate. Not a problem if you do that, but I would tell you that if you do that to charge more money, make that a service and in general, like a one and done type of service for three hours or whatever and, and charge a, a set fee for it, but don't make that the initial consult because honestly, I think you do a little bit of a disservice uh, to the whole design process if it's a larger job by going out there and trying to service this client um, right off the bat, you know, with ideas. Is. You know, like, so I'm never going to tote my little fabric books or anything like that out there. The other thing we're not going to do is we're not going to scratch out a plan as we had one guy <laughs> tell us one time, can't you just scratch out a plan? No, we don't have cocktail napkins and we are not doing that sort of thing. You know, I think again, it's important to not bastardize the value of a comprehensive and thorough design process by giving a prospect the thought that you can solve all their problems in a GIF, even if you're in your head. You were going, oh, I'd move this, I'd move that, I'd change this, I would do a sectional here, I would do more lighting here, yada, yada. Uh-uh, I'm not going to do that, okay? They're going to pay us, you know, and engage us before we're going to go and do that because this is our process. And I will say at this point, Liz, I mean, we've got several initial consults booked now. We've had probably, I don't know, 20, maybe 25 or so in the last like five or six months. So, so people are doing it and I'm in a smaller city. So if I can do it and charge that, then I know that you can too. Um, the other thing we're not going to do is we're not going to give them a contract to sign. Now, some people are going, what? You're not giving them a contract to sign? No, we're not going to do that. All right. Because we have to go back and part of our process is giving them a minimum expenditure and a flat fee. And we have to go back and really determine and think about what the scope is. Now, if it was just a small job and it was just the living room or something, which is not typically the kind of work that we take. But if we were to do that, then, you know, maybe we might give them a fee on the phone or something like that ahead of time. But typically we're not going to do that. We're not going to pressure for a close. Okay. Now I'm a salesperson through and through, but I am not going to pressure them for a close because I think we are typically dealing with uh, larger projects and where people have to be thoughtful, maybe speak to a spouse, et cetera, whatever. But we have to go back and really want to give them our visual scope of work with the whole dog and pony show within that. The other thing we're not going to do is give them a fee right then and there, unless it was a small project, you know, and like I said, we might do it uh, when we do that, but we want to be thoughtful about the fees and outlining, outlining a, a really good scope. Okay, Liz, is there anything you want to add to that? Yes, I will say that while a lot of our initial intake before we set up a consult meeting with a client is on the phone, we do plant some of the seeds about these things that we don't do during the consult meeting, not necessarily in that negative connotation, but in helping to set expectations for them about what it is that the agenda of our visit will be about. 
And then we recap it in an email so that we know that once they're mulling over this information, reviewing how much we're going to charge for the consult and everything, they can really go back through it line by line and determine if they have any questions. This is important for us. It's especially important to me because I'm not as present during the consult meetings lately um, because I want to make sure that when Cheryl is out there with any other design assistant from our firm, they really have a good, clear picture of what's about to happen. And there's no confusion about what's expected on the client's end. So it can be a productive meeting. You always want to start off on that good foot and really, really be sure that they know what they're getting out of the time that you're investing. That's good. That's good. That's really good. And um, here's the deal, y'all. I do not prepare for initial consults at all. This is like my sweet spot, my, my nirvana. I love, love, love initial consults. I am really best doing the Cheryl show with no prep. Okay, no prep, just going in there. As long as Liz isn't taking me to some, you know, you know, major hotel with a bunch of investors there or something like that that I'm not prepared for, that's different, obviously. But the typical type of residential work that we do no matter the size, no matter the type of work that they're looking at, I don't prepare for that. You know, Liz and I'll briefly discuss uh, the cliff notes on the way over, or I get the agenda from her ahead of time, and I can ask any questions or what have you about that. But our ability to do this is rooted in really having good preliminary intel through that discovery call to go off of from, you know, that, the lead call, the Zillow search, the notes we capture in the initial correspondence, all of that sort of thing. And here's the deal. The more information you can get, the more prepared you will be. I want to do two primary things. There's other things we're going to talk about, but two primary things that I really want to do. I want to get the client excited about the project and I want to establish our expert in the room status. Those are my two primary goals. And I think for anyone, you should have the goals that you want to get, uh, you want to get out of this meeting really there. You know, if your goal is to walk away with a signed contract, that's okay. That absolutely is, is going to be your goal and you need to work towards that. But for us, I just want to get that client excited and I want them to know that they don't have to make any more phone calls. They don't have to look anywhere else that they have found their team. And that's really, really important to us. You know, I'm a salesperson. I mean, really, I'm a salesperson um, through and through. That is, is just what I've did for many, many years in sales and marketing. And that's just something that that is uh, really I speak to, you know, but I also know our audience. I know our ideal client and we want to be absolutely sure the client knows how we work with minimum spend, with flat fees, and the fact that we are not solving world hunger at the initial meeting, right? We give them a lot to think about, and often they want to consult with a spouse or, you know, that sort of thing, but we make a closing statement, but it's just, again, very low key. I'm not selling life insurance here. I'm not selling vacuums door to door, and I want to come across as professional. I want to show gratitude they called us. I want to be knowledgeable. I want to listen to their words to really try to discern their true needs, and you know what? A lot of people don't always come out with what their real needs are. You know, they may say their needs are X, Y, and Z, but then once you probe a little bit and you ask the right questions, you find out that their real needs are something completely different. And I want to also illustrate our friendly nature. We're very down to earth. We're very casual. We're not formal. I mean, it's just, you know, I'm doing the Cheryl show. That's for sure. But the closing of the sale for this consult is not our primary goal. You know, it's just really to be helpful to the client and make sure they know they called the right place and there's truly no need to call anybody else. I mean, they, they got their team right there. Okay, so let's talk about some of the questions that you might ask uh, at an initial consult to try to get to the real needs and try to get to the really the meat of what's going on, but also to really determine that scope of work. Because remember, 
our business model is predicated on a flat fee 90% of the time and a, uh, a minimum expenditure. So we have to really be able to dig a little bit to get the right, uh, the right questions and answers. So Liz, I'm going to let you talk about a little bit of that. Um, and then there's a couple of them that, that I might mention too that are kind of important to me and little signature questions. So it's really important for us when we're in the consultation meeting to feel like there's an approachable nature to what it is that we're discussing. And so really what we focus on is a more conversational nature when it comes to the questions that we ask. We're not looking to degrade the client or make them feel like everything is a hot mess, but we do want to be Even able to learn. Even if it is learn, a hot mess. <laughs> right. We do want to be able to learn more about what they really feel their core needs are how certain aspects of their lifestyle are either being met by or not accommodated by their space, different details that might be associated with their family dynamics and how they share their home with others. A lot of times we have clients who are, um, especially lately, we've had a lot of younger, maybe early 30s, mid 30s, late 30s, professionals who are building a family who want to be able to entertain in their home more frequently and who are really looking to kind of establish what it is that they've been able to accomplish in their life so far in a way that feels more flushed out and thoughtful. So these are the type of details that we're really looking to hone in on so that we can get to the nut of what it is that's inspiring them to want us involved. For the most part, the type of work that we do is more comprehensive, and our portfolio certainly demonstrates that. But being able to speak with clients about the design process from this vantage point reminds them that it's not just about a shopping experience. We want to be able to be sure that they really understand part of what we're looking to gather is what it is that needs to be solved in terms of problems in their space, how the function isn't working, and certain details about maybe the investment that they've made in the home and how it is that they want to parlay that in the future in terms of any other investments in their life. And often they really don't understand uh, some of the things that we're going to talk about. I mean, they really don't even understand that certain things are wrong. They they just feel like it's not working or, or they want a bigger kitchen or they, they more, want more room or, you know, they just don't like it. Yesterday, the a new client that Libby and I went out on said, we just want to walk in our master bedroom and just have it be beautiful. We just, I don't even know what to tell you, Cheryl, about what that means. We just want to walk in and love it because I have three little kids under the age of three and this is my respite. And I, you know, I really understood that. I mean, I got it. You know, it's, it's a more comprehensive uh, project than just that. But that was the thing that I noted in my notes that this is really important. Now we went through the kitchen, we went through the upstairs, we went through, you know, all these different rooms, the, you know, the primary bath, all of this. But when we walked into her bedroom, her and her husband's bedroom, that was when I saw her eyes light up. That is when I saw and, and thought to myself, you know what, this is really important. We need to hit it on this, it's going to be an important room to her um, as much as, as the kitchen was when she was talking about that. So I think sometimes you have to really listen um, and look for that spark that somebody has to really understand what is going to be their turn on factor. You know, some of the things I like to talk about too is I'm always going to, I use humor a lot to, uh, to, you know, sort of 
I don't know, make it a little easier for the client to, to feel like they can share and that sort of thing. And I want them to know what kind of firm we're dealing with too, because we are not a stuffy firm. So they kind of need to know that, right? So whatever your personality is, you want to go with that. If you're a more buttoned up person and you're sort of a, you know, East Coast, uh, you know, very chic designer and you want to keep that sort of image going, that's fine. That's what you need to be able to do. But I'm going to ask them questions like, do you want to go out of this house feet first? Or is this a temporary spot for you and your family to grow in a particular chapter of your life? Oh, right, okay. So I'm also gonna talk to them, and this is, I think, a really smart thing for all of you to think about, is that if you go in and truly are trying to be helpful on this call and not just to sign the contract or, or get them to spend money with you, but have you considered your neighborhood and how much you can possibly or responsibly invest in this home considering the value of the house and what you paid for? You know, just, just bring that elephant right out into the room because you know if they're smart, they're thinking about that, right? And I'll go further and I will actually say to many clients, not all, but if the situation warrants it, have you actually looked at other homes? Have you thought about this investment? And are you sure you want to stay here even if you might be overbuilding a little bit? Because if you know that you're going to stay here for the next 20 years, then, you know, maybe that's, uh, you can, you can over overspend a little bit based on the, the comps in the neighborhood. But I always encourage people to do that. It's sort of like taking a different tact where you're not on sales mode, but more like you are really, um, like we sometimes will say things like, we're not for everyone, because we're not for everyone. So when we're talking to someone about the investment, we are going to uh, be a little reverse uh, psychology there in, in a sense, but really because we're trying to be helpful. You know, I really want to know that they've thought about the investment they're going to make. And this also helps them start to really put together numbers for what they're going to do if it's a remodel. Now, if it's decorating and that sort of thing, that's a different story because, you know, they can take all that with them. I'm really talking about a remodel in that case. But really, pie in the sky, after all this is said and done, we want to find out, you know, what is the feeling that you want to have about this house? You know, is creating a retreat for your family a critical piece of the puzzle? Or ultimately, is it the project focus needing to be able to value the property and how to optimize that for resale? Because we do get a lot of uh, second homes here that people are wanting to resell or they're going to uh, rent out or that sort of thing. I think these questions are super important and they help us uh, determine that, that scope. Wouldn't you say, Liz? Yeah, and they definitely help us determine how the budget should potentially be allocated overall in the scope. And I think that that is part of the value that we bring to a lot of clients, even from those early stages, is helping them to understand that maybe the the long, long list of priorities that they have need to be honed in a little bit to be able to really crack the nut in a more specific way. So we're very engaged to be able to talk about multiple spaces in the home. You know, we don't limit the consult meeting necessarily to just the kitchen or just the living room if those are things that are specific to the client. We try to make sure that it is a more comprehensive review so that they understand that our goal is to really talk about the home as a whole. Right. And I, and I think that's a really good point. I want you to, to stop there for just one second, Liz, because you made me re remember something where I heard uh, a designer one time talk about uh, the fact that they uh, don't go and they don't let the client take them anywhere else in the house. You know, that, that if they came to look at the living room and the dining room, that's all they limit it to. And I say Arr, on that one, because uh, I think that you can, one, you can increase your, your sale there. Hello. Okay. You can increase your sale if it's within the time limit that you've, uh, you've set up. And we really, you know, we were there maybe an hour and a half or so, sometimes less, sometimes a little more. I just don't get fussed with that. I really don't, especially if it's a good lead. 
Uh, but, but really, you can find out a lot about somebody by looking at the rest of their house. It tells us a lot about their style. And also, later on, when we are going to deliver that uh, scope of work, we're going to have three options for them, generally speaking. Um, and again, that's something we can talk about another time. But this is something that we're going to do. And when we do this, we are making it so that um, we might, we might, they may not think that their powder bathroom needs a, a, you know, a fix, but once we do the kitchen and the living room and the powder bathrooms right off of it, boy, oh boy, are they going to really regret not including that. And that's when the economy of scale comes in. So I think that you're really uh, limiting yourself when you're not looking at the entire house. And I was shocked when I heard someone say that they don't let the client show them the entire house. I think that's just part of developing the relationship, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that really speaks too to the nature of how we operate as a firm because we are more comprehensive in our analysis overall. So where I think clients sometimes assume that certain things don't matter or that it's not that big of a deal what the paint colors are or maybe you know this terrible light fixture they have in the entryway we want to be sure that we are really analyzing with them even if it's just in a conversational nature during the consult to give them really significant value for the conversation so that when they we walk away from the home and they're sitting there mulling over the information to determine you know how it is that they think it went and how connected they felt that they understand that we're not limiting what it is that we may be able to offer to them to something that's so specific that we want them to understand that we're really looking at things more comprehensively. Right, right. And, and I think that's that's really important thing is that, that we're trying to be of service when we're there. I mean, you've got an audience with someone and no matter what, even if that lead turns out not to be great, they have friends and they know people and you are doing yourself a disservice by uh, deciding within the first 10 minutes that this is not a good lead for you um, or that you made a mistake going on this initial consult because you just never know. And we have turned in some really like kind of, you know, I want you to build a doghouse uh, for us leads when we've gone out there, because again, you know, they're willing to pay for us to come out there into entire uh, remodels. And it's also why we don't let the budget, if someone says, well, I have $10,000 to redo my living room. I have a client that said that and $150,000 later, they had done that room and their daughter's room. So I think that you sometimes have to really um, understand that unless you're, unless that client has has done remodeling before or has bought a new sofa or redone something, they really don't always understand how much things cost. And that's just a factor. But I'm not going to go out there and start talking about individual items. We are always going to focus on the creative vision. We are not, absolutely not, going to go out there and say, okay, uh, so you know, a sofa might be about $3,000, my $5,000, $10,000, What? where are you comfortable with? Or where are you, that stuff can come later, but that is not what our goal is at the initial consultation. And I know there's other people that do it differently, but that's not us. Okay, so let, let's talk about a couple of other things. You know, what are some other initial consult determinations? You might want to talk about lifestyle needs, right? Uh, you know, do you entertain frequently in the kitchen if it's a kitchen remodel? Do you buy in bulk? Um, you know, are you a tub person or a shower person? Because let me just tell you that tub people are very serious about their tubs. So you need to ask that question if you're going out and doing any kind of bath remodels. Are there ADA uh, requirements or any aging in place considerations? How long will you live in the home? You know, again, are you going out feet first or not? Um, you know, ask them how much did you pay for the home originally? You know, if you can do that in a tactful way, because that's good information to have if you can't look it up. Uh, what's the neighborhood value? Um, you look at construction needs. You know, 
into yourself? Are there major walls that need to be moved? How much construction is involved? Is a contractor needed? Um, is the wish list going to be difficult to execute? You know, all these kinds of things. And then you're going to get into some quality questions, things like material choices, um, more expensive options versus budget options. And there's ways to determine that without going into numbers, you know, and specifics on individual items. You know, that's never what we're going to do because, again, we want to deliver a creative vision and we keep that in mind from the very beginning. You know, but you want to determine, is the client a stickler for perfection? Um, are they willing to pay for the best installers? You know, is your idea of a great fabric mohair or is it Krypton? You know, and then look at the basic needs and really think about, uh, you know, how that you can figure out what else the client might need that they're not really telling you about. You know, talk to them about uh, their start date. You know, do they have a place to move while construction is done, if it's a construction uh, job? You know, these are planting seeds that I think are really important. I am known as the little seed farmer here because I am always planting seeds with clients so that later on, you know, they have this, they remember that I talked about that in some way or another, but also it gets them to think about it. This needs to be a partnership if you really are going to do larger projects with larger budgets. You have to go into it with that sort of mindset. So there's a little bit of wrap up checklist, and then I'm going to give you my damn good truth for this episode. Okay, Liz, let's talk about this. Wrapping it up, discussion by the space on what is needed by the client's perspective, identification of the core priorities for the scope development. Remember, we have to go back and do a really comprehensive scope. So we really want to dig in on this. And that's how you know what to charge. When people talk about, I don't know what to charge for this project. You know, the reason they're saying that is because they have not identified the core priorities and being able to outline all that is super important. It makes it so much easier to determine a flat fee. We're going to address any obstacles that can impact budget and timeline. We're going to talk about the project timeline in general so we can make sure of what their expectations are if they want to do something by Christmas and it's, it's now September 1st, you know, or <laughs> that's not going to happen. Uh, and we want to make sure we address that. We are going to do storytelling of similar situations, right? I mean, that's something that we do, you know, on everything. I mean, we've always got a story of something else that we want to do. And we want to find common ground, gain trust, and really create this aura of excitement. And we got this. We are here with you. Do not worry your pretty little head a second more in detail is here to take care of you. And that is the attitude that we want to be pervasive. Now, we're also going to want to talk about the overall investment. I do not leave an initial consult without having at least a range. You know, yesterday I asked that question towards the end after we've made them familiar, et cetera, et cetera. And then we are saying, you know, like, okay, what are you prepared to invest in this? You know, what is your range? And he's talking about, well, 200,000, maybe up to 250. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, this is a good project. You know, he's, he's got it down that that's a reasonable number and we can work with that. The other thing, the last thing that we're going to do is reiterate the flat fee and minimum expenditure again. This is the third time because I believe in repetition. Repetition, repetition, it works, okay? And this is the third time we're going to talk about it so that when they receive our scope of work document, they are primed for the content, okay? So really, we want them to drink the Kool-Aid, right? We want to really get in there, be conversational with them, talk about everything that they want to talk about, whatever that may be, and engage them. And then we, we are then uniquely positioned to get that project when we give them 
our fee and when we give them the minimum expenditure. And you know, it really works for us. And yeah, is there some that we don't want? Absolutely. Sometimes we come back and we're going to offer some other kind of options for them. You know, it's not always going to be a, uh, an ideal situation, even if Liz has done her excellent job or amazing job on the discovery call. So anything last to add that before I go into the damn good truth? Nope. I think we covered everything. I think the, the biggest takeaways for me are always just to make sure that we're being really, really clear and good listeners all the way throughout, because that's when we gather the best information and we ask the best questions. So that's always at the root of our goals. Yeah, absolutely. Asking and you, and you have to, you know, you know, you have to be able to ask those questions and really work on it. It's not something that just automatically comes to you. So here's our damn good truth to wrap up our very first episode. Okay, lean into your strengths, okay, even if they're unorthodox. I learned years ago with a very strong personality, definitive opinions, and I do have an opinion on just about everything, and possibly an annoying predilection for asking why to make it work for me, not against me. Give up being popular, okay? It's overrated and focus on being so freaking authentic, it would make your mama blush. Lead with the passion you have for your small business and to take care of these clients and to do the work that you are trying to do. Let it be known as consumers want to do business with those who love what they do. They really do. And there is nothing, absolutely nothing better than showing that passion and that excitement for what you do every day to a potential client. You are going to win every single time. Thank you guys so much for sharing this episode with us. And I certainly hope that you will tune in again to our next one. Thank you. Bye, y'all. Until next time, stay bold, stay inspired, and keep embracing your bag girl spirit. If you've enjoyed today's show, head over to join the community at damngooddesigner.com to continue the conversation and sign up for our newsletter. 